I can't believe a, a fox and a bunny fucked in Zootopia. <laughs> What I miss. Tumblr definitely thinks those two fuck. Oh. I've been through the tags. On purpose? Yeah. Out of curiosity, though. Okay. And how much of this I'll leave in. Welcome to Horse and Aloud, arguably the best Australian Bojack Horseman podcast. I'm Jem DeSalis. And I'm Paige Winkle. Today we watched Season 1, Episode 4. Which is called Zoe's and Zelda's. What was this episode about? So, this episode started in 1985, and we find Bojack... That was before Netflix existed. (laughs) We find Bojack in a bar doing stand-up comedy, and he's heckled by Herb Kazaz. Later at... The actual physical bar. He gives Bojack some advice. The first thing that Bojack says to Herb when he hasn't introduced himself yet is get cancer jerkwood and (gasps) diligent viewers will have recognized his name from the episode with Sarah Lynn where she talks about how Herb Kazaz has cancer now. I didn't pick up on that. I don't think I noticed that until like maybe even my third watch through because it's the kind of thing that Bojack would also say I didn't realize it was pre-shadowing. Post-shadowing? Post-shadowing, but it is in the... Yeah. It's foreshadowing in-universe and post-shadowing in out-of-universe. Fuck. (laughs) Ah, it's so nice. I'm allowed to swear on this one. I can't (laughs) swear on the Gargoyles podcast. (laughs) Many of our listeners are 90s kids and I don't want to spook them. (laughs) Sorry, go on. Okay, the next important scene is the roast of Gloria Steinem, and Mr. Peanut Butter raises the are you a Zoe or Zelda type person question to everybody at the table. For some reason I picked up... I like Wayne's character design. His outfits are really good. And Mr. Peanut Butter's wearing one of those t-shirts that's a tuxedo. (gasps) He is too! Which is the most Mr. Peanut Butter thing ever. So cute. He probably legitimately thinks that he's being very formal and looks very nice. (laughs) (laughs) And Todd's wearing his hat, but he's also wearing, like, a shirt and tie. Look at these formal boys. So, Zelda is a sunny, fun-loving extrovert, and Zoe is smart, cynical, and an introvert. What do you think you are, Jim? I'm definitely a Zoe. (laughs) I'm honestly not sure what you are. Ah, I think I'm a Zoe. I'm definitely an introvert. Yeah, but you're not really, like, sarcastic and cynical. Okay, this is... Honestly, this is just illuminating the fact that personality boxes are dumb, and they're especially dumb if you only have two of them. (laughs) Yeah. So the next thing in the plot is that Todd's working on a rock opera, which is very exciting. I like the rock (laughs) opera. So the gang goes back to Todd's house. Oh, not Todd's house. (laughs) Todd's house, where he generously allows his horse friend to live. (laughs) Um, Back to Bojack's house. And he explains the premise of his rock opera, and and then he plays it for everybody. Bojack encourages him to give up on it altogether. The next day, Bojack tells Diane 
um, information for his book that she's writing on him, and she encourages Bojack to help Todd with his rock opera. Bojack, in the end, offers to help Todd with the rock opera. He then, there's this, like, kind of montage, but it's longer than a montage, but basically he repeatedly tries to have sex during this time Todd is interrupting with rock opera ideas. He walks in on Bojack and Princess Carolyn when they have clearly just been having sex, and is just like, so anyway, my rock opera. (laughs) Maybe, like, that's when Bojack, he knows that Bojack is like, got clarity? Isn't that a thing? Never mind. (laughs) Cut that out. What do you mean? (laughs) Like, (laughs) Like, after your orgasm, aren't you meant to, like, have some stupid clarity thing in your brain. Maybe Todd's I guess. read that on a blog post. I'm usually just kind of sleepy. <laughs> so Bojack's criticizing everything that Todd's saying, but we find out that despite all of that, um, Bojack has been listening to it and they end up like bonding really sweetly. I thought that was kind of a nice bait and switch that he's behaving as though he hasn't even thought about it, but then he comes back with some, like, legitimate plot criticisms that he's clearly thought really hard about. Yeah. He hasn't just been going through the motions of supporting Todd, he genuinely has been, like, critically analysing the plot of his rock opera. Yeah. It's really sweet. It's probably the only sweet thing he does towards Todd. I don't know. I think sabotaging his creative career because he likes living with him is pretty sweet. Uh. I'd do it for you. Stealing all the podcast components from your mailbox so that you have to keep recording badly. (laughs) Did you know? Because it was meant to get to me at the end of March. And we're like a week over. Anyway, the listeners don't care about my... So back to the boys. They brainstorm ideas together and it kind of comes together. Um, And meanwhile, uh, Mr. Peanut Butter... Goes to get tacos as big as his head. Okay. Yep. So, it's tacos as big as your head. Yep. Not tacos as big as a head. Okay. And he and Diane both go, and they have really different sized heads. Yeah. You can't just say tacos the size of your head in a universe where both humans and, like, (laughs) moose people exist. Because you will get some very pronounced disparity in different head sizes. And they're also different shapes, but it doesn't claim that they're going to give you a burrito the shape of your head. So, my theory is that they sort of dangle you upside down and just immerse your head in water and measure the displacement (laughs) so that they can figure out the exact volume of your head and then they translate that into a burrito size. Okay. But, like, Mr. Peanut Butter's head is, like, twice the size of Diane's. Okay. So, yeah, either they're making some very dubious claims (laughs) or they've got a really nice setup like I just described. I thought of it differently. I thought, like, it was a standardized taco shell. Isn't it a burrito? I think it's tacos. burrito as big as your head. Ooh, I'm pretty sure it's tacos. I bet you six dollars. Okay, I'll take that bet. (laughs) I'm pretty sure, Jim. I've got burritos written in my notes as well. I've got tacos written. I definitely would have thought about it harder if it was tacos, because that's a really different thing. How will we find out? I'll go back into the episode. Okay. Hang on. Talk amongst yourself. Like, for real, are you going to cut it out? Oh, I'm going to cut out a lot of this. <laughs> Not the resolution. But 
<laughs> anyway, because I thought it was tacos, um, I thought like the it, it still applies to burritos. The amount of like fillings is what is the size of your head. But what if your head's super big? Like they would have to adjust the size of the shell. Yeah, I guess they would have to have like a elephant-sized one. I'm in the episode. I'm getting there. I'm really nervous. What if I'm wrong? Diane, 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 Diane. Do you know what today is? Sunday. It's burritos as big as oh! your head. I just lost six dollars. Yep. Taco Loco. But it's at a place called Taco Loco, okay. so that might be what confused you. Yeah. But money don't care. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I owe you six dollars. Nice. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, back to podcasting, I guess. Yep. <laughs> I'll probably leave most of this in. It's not going to be like that huge lost chunk where we both left our recording booths to go downstairs and make ourselves a gin and nutmeg and then realized we had the wrong type of gin. They just cut out the whole thing. <laughs> um, just after the burritos as big as your head bit. Okay. You probably have tacos written down in your notes, though. <laughs> okay. So then we're at a diner and... Todd and Bojack are having lunch together. Very sweet. Uh, Todd reveals his addiction to a video game, which is called Decapitation 7. Decapathon. Oh, Decapathon. I am not good on the note taken today. That's okay. Decapathon is not a real word. (laughs) Oh, yeah. This is kind of a side bit, but it's just, it's too funny to ignore. Bojack gets a call from his blackmailers. Todd plays the rock opera for a respected critic, and the critic likes it. So he says he's going to, like, put it on in the theatre. Then Todd goes to a store? Like, a what kind of store was it? It was an 812, which is Whoa. a joke on 7-Eleven. It's not an animal pun version of 7-Eleven, which I was a little bit miffed about at first, but then in the background, when they're standing in the queue, there are boxes of salted quackers <laughs> on the shelf, so I immediately forgave them. But does that mean that time works differently there? Huh, that's actually a pretty good question, because it's meant to be seven days a week, open till 11pm, although most are now 24 hour. Yeah, guess they're open eight days a week. Eight days in a week? Okay, you heard it here first, guys. Yep, there are eight days in a week in the Bojack Horseman universe. Everyone take that into account for your headcanons and fanfiction. <laughs> I'm sure that it's important world-building data and not just Lisa Hannawalt not thinking a background gag through. <laughs> Todd finds Decapathon 7 in a bargain bin, um, and we see the first appearance of character actress... Actress Margot Martindale. Yep. Oh, she's great. So, Todd plays the game instead of working on a song for the rock opera. Should we talk about the game? <laughs> yeah, we should. The box art and the title screen of the video game. Is that what it's called? Title screen? You've played games. Yeah, yeah, they would do. Anyway, um, has this, like, big artwork of, like, a Viking on a mountain of skulls, and he's holding a decapitated, like, dog head, it looks like, and then posing in front of him is, like, a sexy fox woman in a metal bikini. And then he clicks through and starts playing and it's just Tetris, but like shitty Tetris. Bojack drags Todd away from the, the TV, I think he's playing the game on, and to the theatre, and Todd does a really shit job doing the song. I'm impressed that they like can make Todd look more disheveled than he already does by default. Like his whole thing is that he's always wearing a rumpled beanie and is unshaven. 
yeah, and he kind of always looks a little bit sick. Yeah, they did a good job of making it, like, to the extreme. Todd gets rejected by the critic, and BJ... BJ. <laughs> <laughs> That's awfully familiar. That's what I write in my notes, because it's shorter than writing, writing Bojack all the time. What did BJ do? <laughs> Bojack stands up for Todd at the theatre, which is another really sweet move. Kind of. At the time, you if, without knowing how the, it ends, you think it's sweet. Bojack ends up giving Todd some room in his closet, back at the house, and back at Mr. Peanut Butter's house, Diane discovers that Wayne hasn't... Sorry. Diane discovers that Wayne hasn't been writing an article on Mr. Peanut Butter. He just needs an excuse to follow them around. He's really creepy, and it's not ever, like, addressed. Do you agree? I don't agree that it wasn't addressed. Like, she was, like, specifically chewing him out about that, wasn't she? Yeah, but it wasn't like, you creep, get out of my house, which is, I feel, maybe that's just the yeah, reaction I, guess, I would have. I guess the conversation was more focused around you're faking your job rather than you're being creepy. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> and then it's revealed that Mr. Peanut Butter was there for the whole conversation. That's like the fourth time I've watched it, and I always forget every time I see that scene that Mr. Peanut Butter is just sitting there the whole time, just out of frame. Yep. <laughs> always cracks me up. He's okay anyway. Yeah, I like that guy. Oh, he's a sweetie, but he's a dumb sweetie. He's such a dog. He is. He's one of pat him and hug him and that would be weird because he's not a dog, he's a person. I guess pet shops in Bojack Horseman universe are a sex thing. I don't want to think about that, Jim. You have a journalistic duty to discuss it with me on the internet. <laughs> okay, fine, let's talk about the episode some more. It's revealed that Bo- I nearly called him Blowjack. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they call him at the pet store. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> it's revealed that Bojack bought the video game and sent and set Todd up to fail. And then Todd's sleeping on the couch and it's revealed that the receipt for the game is under the couch. Like a do 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 So he hired character actress Margot Martindale to I guess just to be the woman standing behind them in the line who moves something? What happens again? She asks for the thing on top of it. Oh, uh, yeah, so that he reveals it. And he also paid off the nice chameleon guy who works at the 812. Yeah. And he bought the game for, like, $89? Yeah, from a Beast Buy. Anyway, that was the episode. See, Beast Buy is great. They should have just thought harder about a cool way to make it 7-Eleven. It's like if, if they'd called it, like, best hello. Uh-huh. <laughs> What's a good animal pun on... 7-Eleven. 7-Alama? I guess you can't really do a pun on the logo because it's numerical. Anyway, and us seeing Bojack go through the kind of aftermath and paying everyone off of his big thing and us finding out that he was secretly being very manipulative is happening while we are also hearing still the conversation between Wayne and Diane where he's talking about how people don't really change and you can pretend to be a Zelda all you want, but you're really a Zoe. They probably don't say a leopard never changes its spots in that universe. It's probably kind of racist. <laughs> yeah, what, what did you think about that? It's like they kind of portray Zoes as not bad guys, but not as good as Zeldas. Yeah, the whole Zelda and Zoe thing, I think, is deliberately meant to be too narrow. Like, people don't 
fit properly into Hogwarts houses. There's no way they're going to fit into a single twin. Yeah. But the more broad point that they're making about how shitty manipulative people never really change. I don't know, I probably spend more time thinking about that when it comes up in media than I should, like the whole people don't really change and they stay shitty forever thing, because I definitely think of myself as someone who used to be very shitty and manipulative and changed. Okay. Deliberately making yourself a less shitty person, I think in a lot of ways is like recovering from an addiction. You kind of feel like you're always uncomfortably close to just being shitty again, I guess. There's a lot of social situations where something will happen and there will be like a little part of my internal monologue that's like, me back then would have done this and like, it's a thing that now I wouldn't do, but there's still that little voice there so it kind of like, hits me pretty deep when I see things like that and bit of this episode of Bojack when they're talking about how people never change and that's really a message of like the whole kind of series, I guess, is that people who are prone to self destruction or selfish behaviors keep on doing it even if they get better for a while they kind of fall back into the pattern yeah okay and i spend a fair amount of time worrying that that kind of thing's gonna happen to me maybe probably a more serious answer than you were expecting yeah it was um (laughs) and like obviously there's a limit to how much we can actually talk about that without me going into detail about what kind of shitty stuff i used to do yeah you wouldn't want to put on the internet I don't know, just like a generally kind of Bojacky sort of person, I guess. In a lot of ways, like the the sabotaging Todd's rock opera thing, like if I were in that situation and had the resources to pull it off, the old version of me would definitely have done that and not even really felt that bad about it if I knew I could get away with it. I like to think that people change. Yeah, I don't know. I think people are just a combination of their decisions. So you can kind of influence what kind of person you are by what kind of decision you make. But I haven't thought about it as much as you have so there's probably it also depends a lot on the company you keep like that's kind of wayne's point is that she's a zoe who's dating someone who's definitely a zelda and she's pretending to live this like happy-go-lucky life with her happy-go-lucky yellow lab husband but that deep down she's not like him and most of the reason why i'm not a shitty person anymore is because I chose to spend time with people who were better than me in those respects and model my behavior after theirs. Okay. So I think that that's one of the ways in having a partner that's very different from you can be a really positive thing. Yeah. That's kind of an interesting arc to watch, is how Diane and Mr. Peanut Butter's relationship goes, because they are really different people. Sometimes that causes problems, and sometimes it's kind of one of their strengths. It's a very realistic relationship. I mean, a lot of that hasn't come through yet, so we might as well stop talking about it, because we're very early in, and I can't talk about it more without getting into spoiler territory, but yeah. It's giving me something to think about. (laughs) So, after that, like, really serious conversation we just had, I'd like to go over some of the cool background animal gags. We've got the raccoon people going through the bins outside, and we've got all the moth people who are, like, (laughs) flying up around the lights outside. Imagine being a moth- like, if moths in this universe are still confused by artificial light. (laughs) Imagine being a moth person living in Los Angeles. That's, like, a really serious disability that you now have. Yeah, wow. It's it's interesting that winged insects still have wings, unlike birds. Like, birds just fly by flapping their arms. But the character designs for the insect people are a lot looser. They're more likely to have non-humanoid bodies. Oh, there there was a mantis 
couple in the audience at the roast as well, and it's only just occurring to me now to check if they have claws, which I am doing now. <laughs> I might be thinking of the wrong scene. Okay. I have to find the mantises. This is very important to me. Okay. Where else were there? I guess maybe it was in the diner scene? They might be in the audience at the comedy show. Yes, and they don't. Okay. And also they might not even be mantises. I think actually they're grasshoppers. Oh. What a fun time that was for me and you yep. and the listeners. Yeah. More so the listeners than either of us because I'm going to cut out a lot of silence at least. Bonus treat. There was also a tapir at the like on stage at the roast mm-hmm. doing like a big laugh with its tapir mouth and there was also a goat in the audience and an armadillo and the character like we only see the armadillo for a second in a background shot but their character design is in Tourist, like it basically just looks like they have a really big neck. They've kind of got like the armadillo shell and then head protruding out of the neckline, and then they have a normal human body. It's really weird. Kind of a hard one. Also, when Bojack was dying on stage doing a stand-up comedy in the flashback, he at the end he makes a stressed horse noise. Yeah. But it wasn't an actual horse noise, though, I think. That sounded like Will Arnett doing a horse noise. Yeah. The whole stand-up comedy thing was interesting, actually. And whenever stand-up comedy happens in the show, because the creators of the show sort of need to make it so that the stand-up comedy that the comedians are doing is less funny than normal stand-up comedy is in real life. Why do they need to do that? Because the characters in a comedy show are always funnier than we are in real life. Like, the things that they're saying day-to-day are just really funny things, but they don't laugh at each other's jokes. So you can't have them on stage doing stand-up comedy and doing that kind of joke because they would basically just be talking with the same level of humour as people usually do. So they would either have to invent some kind of twice-as-funny-as-normal-joke stand-up comedy to have in there, which isn't doable, Hmm. or they have to have characters doing stand-up comedy that isn't funny but is structurally similar to stand-up comedy. Yeah. Okay. I hadn't thought about that. This is a bad time to bring it up, I guess, because the whole point of Bojack's set is that he's just really bad at stand-up comedy, but yeah. I guess I'll bring it up again when we actually see, like, we see Herb do some... Uh, yeah, because he's good at it. I always think Herb sounds like a weird name, because herbs are a thing. Yeah. But they don't pronounce the H in America. They say herbs. Oh, yeah. So it wouldn't even, huh. it wouldn't even click as a homophone. <laughs> I hadn't thought of that. Maybe that's why it's a more popular name there. Yeah. Just also talking about the stand-up. The opening, like, musical riff is very similar to the Seinfeld musical riff, which I thought was interesting. And what is Seinfeld? You're messing with me. I know this now. <laughs> we talked about that on the show. Yeah, we did. Did you leave it in? <laughs> I don't know, and I'm not going to check. <laughs> um, yeah, which I thought that was interesting, because the scene was set in, uh, in 1985, but I don't think Seinfeld started to the 90s. Hmm. Who was the roast of? Oh, Gloria Steinman. Do you know who that is? Yes. She's a feminist. They've also... I mean, I gathered that from context. <laughs> Do you actually know who she is, or did you just also watch the show? <laughs> I know who she is. I'm just googling her book because I've forgotten it. That's interesting that I haven't heard of her, though, because I did, like, three years of gender studies. So it's weird that, like, not even the name phonetically rings a bell. Oh, okay. Okay, one of her quotes is, A woman without a man is like a fish without a bicycle. 
I've definitely heard that. Yeah. That's, okay. that's one of her quotes. Well, I'm glad I've picked something up about her by Osmosis, even though I don't know her name. I'm, I'm disappointed in myself that I can't give you a more like, she did this, and she did this, and she said this. Yeah. She wrote this, but... I'm disappointed in you too, but it's okay. Okay. Um, but she was... The, the roast of her was mentioned in another episode before this. As a throwaway joke. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> if only there was some kind of public forum where people could ridicule feminists. <laughs> um, Mr. Peanut Butter's old hair is really cute. Like, in his... In Mr. Peanut Butter's house, when we see the flashback to Zoe and Zelda... He's got, like, this floppy haircut. Also, I noticed that he, like Bojack, has a ringtone that is just the theme song of his old TV show. Oh, okay. Sorry. And <laughs> another Glorious Diamond thing. She went undercover as a Playboy bunny. Have you heard reference of that? No? Okay. Never mind. That was cool what she did. The Playboy bunnies are probably really bunnies. Oh, yeah. I, I hope. I kind of hope we get to see what that's like. I hope Hugh Heffern is a cow. Why? Because of heifers. Oh, okay. It's a good joke. Thanks. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> There's a bit where Todd is just, he's just got a big stick of fairy floss and he's just dipping it in Fruit Loops. <laughs> Do they just still have the sticky pink machine? Like, where did he get a fairy floss if he just lives in Bojack's house? Yeah. Also, for... Non-Australian listeners, fairy floss is what we call cotton candy. Ah, oh, I didn't realise that I was don't know if we were referring to it as fairy floss or cotton candy last time, when we were talking about it in episode one. Oh, yeah, probably just fairy floss. I, I, did, I forgot they had a dis- distinction. You know how Todd says that his um, rock opera, sorry, I wrote R-O and I was like, all I could think of was radio opera, which isn't a thing. Rank orange. <laughs> So, tell me more about Todd's Rangar. <laughs> he... What did Blowjack think of it? Starts off by... Shut up. He starts off by saying it's like Tommy, but with, like, Circus Olay in, in space and stuff. Do you know about the rock opera Tommy? No. It's real dark. What is it? It was written by The Who. So it's, like, set after the First World War. And this kid, Tommy, when he's real young, sees his stepdad or something get shot. And it makes him deaf, dumb, and blind. And he gets abused and stuff. How does seeing someone get shot make him deaf, dumb, and blind? Um, like a trauma thing. Does that happen? I don't think so. It was... I don't know how much the Who know about trauma. It's a quite a messed up... Yeah, so I, I just want to know what Todd has written. The only rock opera I've ever listened to in its entirety is Welcome to the Black Parade by My Chemical Romance. I tried to piece together the story of Todd's rock opera this time from listening to the things he says. Mm. You don't really get enough. Yeah. I don't think the writers of the show even have a good idea of what Todd's rock opera's full plot line is. And they don't need to, that's fine. But I was just wondering if that was like a consistent through line. One thing that did stand out to me, though, was a reference to something called the elixir of failed remembrance. Okay. And that phrase just really interests me because it's something about needing a potion to counteract the elixir of failed remembrance. So it's obviously something that you drink that does something which is but an elixir is usually a positive thing like you've got 
the elixir of life and like eternal youth potions and stuff like people don't really talk about elixir unless it's a good thing yeah i doubt it's just a potion you drink and it gets rid of your memory because that would be a bad and b you could just say elixir of forgetfulness mm. or, ex- or elixir of failed memory and the coolest thing I can come up with reading too deep into it is that it's an elixir you drink and it means people don't remember the things you do while you're under the effect of it. Oh, okay, that's cool. Yeah. Can we talk about the fool me once, fool me twice stuff? Yes. <laughs> it's one of my favourite recurring jokes in any episode. Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, fiddle dee <laughs> Fool me once, shame on you. But teach a man to fool me, and I'll be fooled for the rest of my life. <laughs> fool me once, fool me twice, fool me chicken soup with rice. <laughs> God, just, that's just some good comedy. <laughs> also, okay, okay, so, yeah. when we see Bojack and Todd talking in the diner, Right before Todd starts talking about how he was addicted to video games, Bojack is being like, I can't believe you were on the run from the Russian mafia for a year. Yeah. Remember how we spent all that time in episode one talking about how it's really weird that Todd was selling drugs on, on Cartel Tough? Ah! And I was saying that, like, Todd getting caught up in organized crime, like, either it was just weird, it was the pilot, so they hadn't thought the characters through that much, or it was just a caper that went horribly, horribly, horribly wrong and somehow ended up in it seeming like he'd been dealing drugs on Cartel Tough. But if he's also been on the run from the Russian mafia... For a year. We, so we, we've just got another reference to Todd falling afoul of organized crime. Yeah. So, what? What is Todd's dark past? How old is Todd? I think he's meant to be in his early 20s. I always picture him being, like, 23. Yeah, me too. I don't know if we ever get a canon age for him. Okay. I want, by the end of this podcast, I want to have a map of his life. Also, in the background of that scene, we can see a billboard with a really sexy lingerie parrot on it. A parrot. Yep, the <laughs> sexy parrot in lingerie. Can I tell you my favourite joke? Tell me your favourite joke. I like when the rooster's running past and he just yells, wake up, it's the morning. <laughs> <laughs> and this isn't my fa- like one of my favourite jokes, but I thought it was interesting. The the cutaway to like the baby bird... Oh my god. Bojack's consoling the mother whose baby bird has jumped out of an apartment too early and hasn't survived. I get, yeah, I guess, I guess, I guess a kid just died. But why is Bojack there? Is he dating the mother? Maybe it was also his kid. Oh. Half horse, half bird, wrong shape to fly, tried flapping its arms, just died. Oh, okay. I'm annoyed I brought that up because now I'm just real sad. We had to bring it up. Baby birds still having to... Jump from high. What do you do if your house isn't on the second floor? I guess you just go to a high place? Oh, yeah. Buy a parachute. You're also a person. Yeah. You don't have to just chuck your kid out a window and hope for the best. It's probably illegal, but maybe it's like traditional in bird society. Could be like a rite of passage thing. Moving on. I like that Van Cleef just has a massive thing of like a magnum of champagne in his pocket who does the fancy moose critic he's like time for celebration and just like pulls a giant bottle of champagne out of his suit coat (laughs) and it wasn't distorting the shape of it at all 
there's a snake woman in the audience who are getting ready to see Todd's premiere of his rock opera. Mm -hmm. I like her character design, the way her neck kind of comes up and does a loop, so it makes it really obvious that she's a snake rather than just a lizard. Mm. Um, But I also, you know, there's um, legless lizards that aren't snakes. Mm -hmm. Not in this universe. Everything has legs. No such thing as tails. No such thing as not having legs. So at the end, we see Bojack paying people off. Throughout that whole thing, he's wearing this black hoodie that I don't think we've ever seen him wear before and we never see him wear again. Yeah! Or we might. Like, I want to see, like, if and when that black hoodie comes up because it's sort of implied that that's like his his shady dick hoodie like he's the hoodie he puts on when he needs to go do some shady guilty business yeah that'll probably do it for us thanks for listening thank you like our page on facebook h-o-r-s-a-n apostrophe a-l-o-u-d or you can join our facebook group the horse and allowed saddle club and you can tweet at us at horse and allowed pod. You can email us at horse and allowed at gmail.com. There's no apostrophe in those. Oh, yeah. Still not sure if that matters or not. I'm tired. Um, <laughs> I'm Gem DeSalis. I'm Paige Winkle. And until next time, suck, suck a, a dick, dick, dumb shits. shits.